The information contained in this podcast is provided for your general information only. It does not give medical advice or engage in the practice of medicine. This massage podcast under no circumstances recommends particular treatment for specific individuals and in all cases recommends that you consult your physician or local treatment center before pursuing any course of treatment. Hello, and welcome to episode 15 of the Massage Podcast. I'm Dawn Adkins, your host, along with Jorge Cisneros, the brain and producing abilities behind this operation, and Elaine Kalenda, our massage expert. And uh, today is March 3rd, 2011, and we are a massage podcast all about massage, directing information to all massage therapists and we find that uh, where there's a lot to talk about we talk about everything from different types of body work to taxes to building your practice and uh, obviously at episode 15 we've decided we have plenty to talk about and we've been having some really great guests um, on our show and we have a great guest today if you need to contact us you can find us at massagepodcast.com on our contact page, you can send us an email or you can leave a voicemail or send a text message at 303-656-9860 or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. So our lovely guest today is Shelly Torgrove, who is an expert in Maya uterine massage and is also a clinical herbalist. She's going to talk to us extensively about this lovely form of body work and possibly adding ways to add herbs and um, essential oils into your practice. And I'm going to let Shelly tell us all about herself. Hi, thank you for letting me come talk. I always love to get to share whatever I can. I've been practicing as an herbalist and a massage therapist for almost 20 years. I'm 40, so I had the honor of getting to start when I was really young. And I've been blessed with many incredible teachers over the years. Um, I do a combination of sort of a unique combination of clinical work. I can walk in different worlds, sit down with the doctors and discuss how body work fits, how herbal medicine applies to specific clinical applications. Uh, My focus is women's health issues. So women come to me with reproductive problems, menstrual cramps, Um, menstrual cycle irregularities, things like that. Um, And they're looking for help with abdominal massage and they're looking for help with herbal medicine. And I can also quickly shift gears out of a medical model and into more of a traditional healing role of using plants with songs, with prayers, with um, in just other traditional methods. So let me ask you, um, what exactly is Maya Uterine Massage and how is it beneficial to women? So Maya uterine massage, the term definitely was coined, um, I would say maybe about 10 years ago by a woman named Rosita Arvigo. And it, it, what it applies to is it's a traditional form of body work that was employed by the Maya but, and still is currently, but really is a, a technique that you would find utilized by many traditional healers, specific, specifically uh, the midwives. Uh, in many cultures around the world, I've met women from Africa, from Cambodia, from Asia, really all over the world that know this simple abdominal massage technique. 
basically what it is is it's a massage technique that begins it's external so people always ask when they first hear the word uterine massage <laughs> ah, what's that about <laughs> um, and it's a, it's uterine and abdominal but it's all done externally it's a massage that starts at the pubic bone basically and goes up underneath the diaphragm and the whole principle behind it is that a woman's uterus is held in place by four major ligament structures and that a variety of life experiences, including running on hard surfaces, accidents and falls and injuries, childbirth, any of those things that basically can allow ligaments to stretch can cause the uterus to change position. So many women find that you know they go in for a pelvic exam and their doctor says to them or their nurse practitioner says, your, your, your uterus is retroverted or your uterus is tipped. Yeah. Or it's prolapsed. Um, and so what this is used for basically in a traditional setting is used to reposition the uterus back into its correct place so that the organ functions correctly and so that you get good blood flow and good circulation. It's fantastic um, material. I took an intro class uh, with through the American Massage <clears throat> Therapy Association in Colorado several years ago, and I... You know, I thought, what am I doing here? I have had a, I had a hysterectomy in 1993. And um, uh, we started the class and we did this self-massage and I felt my uterus. It's like, they can take things out of the body, but they're still there, you know? And it was very helpful for me. It really helped. You know what it helped was my, my bladder position. Do, do you also work with uh, people who have, say, um, bladder... Uh, pressure from having uh, a tilted womb or however the phrase is? Yeah, so basically the bladder sits right underneath the uterus. And anytime there's been a surgical intervention or there's been any uterine prolapse or if the uterus drops down a little mm -hmm. bit, what mm -hmm. happens is it sits down on its, next, on its downstairs neighbor and causes problems. So mm -hmm. you end up with problems with urinary tract issues. Uh, um, yes. Mm -hmm. Stuff like that. I think you took the class from my friend Cindy Aspermonti, who's yes. a holistic women's healthcare nurse practitioner. It was wonderful. And the other thing that uh, I found really amazing was the men in the class also benefited a lot too. Do you work with men at all? Or I mean, well, let me put it this way: you work in in women's health, but um, men can benefit as well. Yep, men can benefit as well. It's something that that what we found over the years is that uh, you know, as women end up with pelvic congestion, men end up with the same things. Right. Their symptomology, the problems that they experience are different. Right. And this is a technique I would say that was primarily traditionally applied to women's health. I haven't encountered in other countries that men have gone in for abdominal massage to cure prostate problems. I think that that's sort of a Western application okay. of that technique, but I think it's a good it's a good thing. Yeah, I think so too because it really made the men in the room very aware of that they could you know spend some time working with that area and just honoring that area. And you know how many men, well, they say they, they don't really go and get their prostate checked like they should. So I think it's very good to have men get involved with this. I encourage my male, my male students, you know, to um, not shy away from that. Right. So, so the, the, t um, the Maya massage, the uterine massage, and what are the benefits? Uh, so obviously there's a lot of women out there who experience pain every month or um there's people out there trying to get pregnant and so is this a crucial type of body work for people in that situation that's one of the things that when you talk to the traditional healers in other countries specifically my experience has been training with traditional healers in mexico and latin america 
specifically Belize, um, what they say is that if you had any other organ out of balance or out of position, that you'd really feel it. Why is the uterus any different? And, you know, the uterus does have this leeway. It can lean back, it can drop down, it can lean over to one side, and things can function, quote unquote, fairly normally. Mm. Uh, or under, you know, what we would look at in terms of Western medicine. Okay, you got menstrual cramps, you have to take you know, four, four ibuprofen yeah. four times a day mm-hmm. for six days. That's normal, right? Or maybe not. So uh, with, the, with the uterine massage, the idea is, is that if you bring the uterus into the proper position, bringing it up, bringing it over, getting it from leaning back into its normal position, what's going to happen is you get better arterial blood flow in, better lymphatic and venous drainage out, and the organ is going to function more optimally. So one of the key questions when we're asking women, I ask two, I've got lots of questions, but my two key questions, one is a self-observation question and the other is what have you learned from your doctor? But one is, how do your periods start? Do they start out bright red and healthy, or do they start out sort of brownish and old with old-looking blood? Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, that's a sign that when the uterus is what's called retroverted, meaning it's leaning back, tipped backwards, instead of blood flowing out normally, what happens is things tend to pool, mm, and sense. you end up with old blood coming out first. So that's the first question that sort of is a, a key if someone doesn't know if they have a tipped uterus that something's off a little bit mm-hmm. the second is have you ever had an, a pelvic exam where your doctor or nurse practitioner has said that your uterus is tipped they say something like 70 percent of women have a tipped or tilted uterus or prolapsed uterus so what happens frequently is you go in for a medical exam or an annual exam and they say they don't even mention it it's like being left-handed in their opinion it's just mm-hmm. so common doesn't mean that it's right it just is common Mm-hmm. So a lot of times, um, you know, people come in for menstrual cycle irregularities, ovulatory problems. But I think one of the main things that drives women into my clinical practice is that they have pelvic pain. Either they have difficulty um, with periods that hurt, lots of cramping, low back pain, mm-hmm. or they have ovulatory dysfunction, ovulatory issues where they have pain around ovulation or irregular ovulatory patterns. Mm. And Shelly, um, this uh, my abdom- abdominal massage, right? Is also my uterine massage. What is the difference then? Yeah, pretty the- much what I'd say is I what I would call it is Maya abdominal and uterine massage. And uterine. Okay. Over the years when I first started training in this, I was one of the first women that was really trained outside of the country in this technique. And really there wasn't that, we didn't really have a name for it. It was like we mm. were doing... Maya massage, Maya abdominal massage, Maya uterine massage. And over the years, what's happened is it's evolved into a bodywork technique that's well known mm-hmm. now here in the West. That's okay. Do you ever work with um, a really one that perplexed me all the time, endometriosis? Yeah, endometriosis is a complex problem. Uh, even doctors have a difficult time explaining what the exact cause of endometriosis is. Mm-hmm. Basically what it is, is it's endometrial tissue that's decided to migrate outside of the uterine lining, the endometrial lining, and it can find itself inside the fallopian tubes, uh, outside of the uterus. And what it does is it goes through cyclical changes, much mm-hmm. like uh, the endometrial lining does under the influence of estrogen and progesterone. Mm-hmm. So if you've got endometrial tissue inside your fallopian tubes and it's growing and then shrinking and shedding, you end up with a lot of pelvic pain. And my experience is that the uterine massage definitely helps with some of the discomfort of it. I think that's really more in the realm of dietary changes and herbal medicine, honestly. But, you know, I work with women in all stages of, you know, from mild endometriosis to really severe endometriosis. 
And it was great. Last year, I had the opportunity to get to sit in on a laparoscopic surgery mm. with a doctor who took me on what I would call the tour of the internal organs of a woman. And really, and his goal was to remove the endometriosis. And it was three hours of watching and seeing where endometrial tissue was. It was everywhere? It was everywhere. Isn't that it was amazing? In, it was incredible. So um, are they doing any better with that surgery now that they have the lap laparoscopic uh, It looked to me like it was and, a good thing. The client yeah. that I got to go, it was one of my clients, I got to sit in on it. She did, It was a great combination. It was a doctor who's very open to holistic medicine, who's a really skilled surgeon. Mm -hmm. He really encouraged her to do her herbs, to take her herbs before and after her surgery, to follow up with her abdominal massage techniques, doing things, and go ahead and have surgery. And it's really, it was a real model of what it looks like when we cooperate. Yes. The doctors don't really know where that starts or how it starts. Do they know? No. They don't know. As far as I know, it's unknown. Uh, they don't know the cause of it and they don't know how to. Well, now I guess now they're getting a little bit better with because in the old days, like in the 80s, working with women like who had endometriosis, they would try surgery. And, you know, the surgery with a scalpel is a lot of times left them with more scar tissue and pain. So a lot of times they didn't opt for surgery because it's it can be too extensive and imagine then just getting in there and exploring around mm. so uh it didn't do too well but it's good to know that there that modern surgical procedures have uh, progressed so one thing i love the topic of around this is scar tissue because mm. a lot of women from either having had pelvic surgeries or having post cesarean section healing there's always a lot of scar tissue anytime you go in and you work you know, surgically with mm -hmm. the abdomen, with any tissue, really, you end up with scar tissue. And the abdominal massage combined with doing some castor oil packs and some warmth and heat, things that help soften, really works to help break up scar tissue. And that, you know, impedes, impedes all of the arterial flow and venous return and lymphatic drainage. So it's good for, if you've had really any type of abdominal surgery. Any type of abdominal surgery. Any type surgery. of abdominal, including yeah. hysterectomy. When and C-sections and these big scars that they do too. It yeah. must be very Absolutely. nice to have those scars softened. Yep. Mm -hmm. And um, have you worked with um, interstitial cystitis? Yeah, interstitial cystitis is a, compl it's a complicated one too. There's a lot of inflammatory issues that come into play. It's a bladder issue, but it's exacerbated really mm. by all kinds of different things, including food allergies and local irritations. It's something that I found that you, when you combine doing abdominal massage, emotional healing, and really herbal medicine, again, this is where something simple like yeah. a cold infusion of marshmallow root that has an anti-inflammatory and healing effect on that specific mucosal lining, right. that's where that it really shines. That's where women get relief. That sounds it, good. So here's my next question. Um, because it's difficult to talk about, but painful intercourse. Yeah. Because a lot of, it's, I don't think people know how many people suffer from that. Yep. I love that question because it's actually one of the key questions on my intake form. Oh, and good. it's a real indicator of what's going on. So basically, because the uterus is held in place by these four major ligament structures, the first one is what's called the broad ligament. And broad ligament, the uterus is contained inside of it. And it's sort of like what we call, just in layman's terms, uh, it's like a big hammock. Yeah. Holds the uterus side to side. And then the uterus is also held in place front to back by what's called the uterosacral ligament. So it attaches to the anterior aspect of the sacrum and then into the body of the uterus. And then there's another ligament that holds it up, sort of what I call the roof ligament, but it's called the cardinal ligament mm -hmm. that holds it up. Uh, and then there's a round ligament. But basically... Um, if any of those ligaments is com are compromised, which 
anything can compromise it. You're trying to grow a baby, you know, for 40 weeks in your belly, those ligaments are, are really stretched out. And in American culture, our goal is to give birth to our babies, mow the lawn the next day, be at the park jogging two days <laughs> later. Right. And what happens is those ligaments, it takes a full two years for ligaments postpartum to heal. And that's what, you know, that's even if a woman wasn't nursing a baby, it can take even longer. If she's mm. nursing for an entire two years, relaxing oh, yes. is the primary Relaxing is still in the body. Yeah. So, yeah. And so what happens is the uterus, it's, it's amazing. It, it's really simple. It just drops lower into the pelvis. And there are various degrees of uterine prolapse from it being just a little bit low where it hurts a little bit to the uterus. This might sound a little frightening, but literally where the uterus, where the cervix, the, the opening to the uterus um, is right at the vaginal opening. And so that, of course, is, is a serious situation. What I see is I see a lot of women that just, they have mild prolapse, but what they do have is that they have pain with intercourse. And a couple of uterine sessions, sometimes even one. I've seen it where it's like a woman's on my massage table. She goes home that night. She finds that it doesn't hurt anymore. And all it is is a simple technique of, you, of moving the uterus, lifting it up, and moving it out of the way. And so what we do is we teach women how to do the technique themselves. And so for something as simple as that, it might be that that's part of fooling around. We got She's got to lay and do a little abdominal massage first and a little abdominal massage after. Right. But those ligaments mm -hmm. just, they're, they're loose. This is type of foreplay, that's all. That's right. It can be fun. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, relaxing the uterus. And well, on, on that note, I've had a session from Shelly, um, the Maya abdominal massage, and I only had one session, but I can say it's, I can say just from the one, the one um, time that Shelly worked with me on this, I can say that it's very important because I think in America, um, women are not honored like they are in some countries. Like you said, we're expected to have our babies be in size two the next day and go and make the bacon. And I think uh, what I noticed after the massage was that I, I felt um, a sense of peace. And I told them before that I kind of felt fat because I'm constantly holding in my gut. You know, or I've, I don't even, or it's not a conscious effort. It's just there, we're bombarded by pictures of perfect women in these magazines. And we don't even realize how much information we're getting on a day-to-day -day basis that we have to be thin and that our guts need to be sucked in and we had better have a flat belly if we're going to be anybody. And uh, so it was really cool. I mean, a lot happened just in that one episode or that one episode. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And so an and I think, mm -hmm. you know, and since that's our, that's the central part of a female that it's very important to honor that and make sure that it's feeling good and relaxed. Well, we've all, yeah, just masculize, you know, we've been masculine. Sure been made to be more masculine in that way that we do have to go out and keep going and be tough. So I was wondering, what can a client expect from this? Is this something painful, invasive? How, yeah, how could you describe great, this? I know, people, like, people ask me that all the time. Basically, what I'd say is it's a really gentle abdominal massage technique that is used to just lift the uterus and move it into the proper position, depending on the degree of either scar tissue or holding, or if the uterus is really out of position, it can be a little bit painful. So what we do is we start with a real gentle technique, just going really lightly palpating first to feel for the position. It's funny because when I first started learning this and started going down to Belize, I remember telling my friends, all my women doctor friends and nurse practitioner friends and midwife friends, 
you can feel the position of the uterus externally. You can palpate it at the pubic bone and you can tell. And they'd say, no way, you have to do a bimanual exam in order to do this. And then what happened was the next year they were all on the trip to Belize with me to mm-hmm. learn and to yeah. study. Great. And they now all know, you know, you can mm-hmm. feel quite easily. So it's really, it depends. <clears throat> if a woman's got a uterus that's really low and you press right at the pubic bone, instead of there being this nice open little valley to drop down into, if the uterus is low inside the pelvis, if it's prolapsed, what happens is you come off the pubic bone and it's full and spongy. And that can oftentimes be tender, really tender. So, you know, I also, you know, I have stories that I can think about, you know, I've had all these amazing teachers, two in Belize, uh, three in Belize. One is a woman named Rosita Arvigo who continues to teach uh, my abdominal massage, two of whom died recently, Miss Hortense Robinson and Miss Beatrice Waite, who I give mm-hmm. great gratitude to mm-hmm. for having taught me. And Miss Hortense uh, started delivering babies when she was 13 years old. And Hortense used to work with my groups of students when I'd take them down there to study. And she'd literally do this technique where she'd have them take a deep breath. She'd take her three fingers and she'd have them breathe on the exhale. Press, press, press all the way into the belly button and twist all the way deep in. And all, every student that ever Hortense ever touched cried with it. And part of it was that it was a little bit painful getting into the abdomen that way. Mm. That was how she was taught from her grandmother and that was her technique. And part of it is it's just such an intense emotional release getting into the belly at that depth. So it's rare for me to go in that deep uh, and work at that level, but that's it's not uncommon. Another mm-hmm. one of my teachers in Mexico is a man named Daniel Pool Pesh, who's a traditional Maya man. He's incredible. Um, Daniel learned everything that he knows about a massage. His specialty is abdominal massage and fertility, and people travel all over the world actually to see him. I'm going to see him in a month in Mexico. I'm going to meet him down there with a couple of my clients who are going to see him for some fertility work. But Danielle works deeply. He gets in and he does things that, you know, for whatever reason, it's that's his guidance. That's how he learned to do it. Mm-hmm. And people lay there and they, you know, sometimes they laugh. A lot of times tears stream down their face. And I would say with me, that happens sometimes too with my clients. It just depends. But I always like to prepare people that it could be a little bit sore, but we're going to go lightly. We're going to see how this um, goes. It doesn't feel invasive at all. I, you know, it may feel maybe uh, intentionally emotionally invasive mm-hmm. at first for some people, mm-hmm. but I didn't feel, I certainly didn't feel violated. You know, if you know, some external. people might think that, yeah, it's all external. Yeah. Um, and even Draped properly, you're yeah. covered up. We got heat packs on your belly. Yeah, mm-hmm. and even that top feet. of the pubic bone too. Yeah. Um, it does, you know, because it's at the top. That doesn't feel invasive at all either. Mm-hmm. Uh, I see. And we have a question on, online who says, "How about constipation and bloating?" Yeah, I love that. That's a really good question. So basically, what happens if the uterus is retroverted, meaning it's tipped backwards? So if you picture the cervix, you know, basically leans. F- It's like it points backwards a little bit. If the uterus is retroverted, you take the entire organ and you flip it backwards. I'm using my hand to demonstrate, just flipping my hand backwards. If the uterus leans backwards, really, it doesn't have anywhere to go except that to lean back onto the colon, onto the rectum. And what it does is it creates congestion right there. So it's like you've got this healthy organ that all of a sudden is leaning up against the sewer pipe and creating a blockage. Mm -hmm. So it's not uncommon to have constipation and bloating, digestive issues, things that get corrected when you get the uterus back into its proper position. It's Mm -hmm. not good for it to be hanging out backwards. And retroverted is the most common position where it's tipped backwards. 
And sometimes women, I have to, have, have to ask questions like, has anyone ever told you you have a tipped uterus? No. Have they ever had difficulty when you go in for a pelvic exam being able to do a pap smear where they're able to get to your cervix to be able to take the little tissue sample? And that's where the answer is often yes. And what that tells me is that the doctor knew that it was retroverted, but just, you know, failed to mention anything because it doesn't really mean anything culturally for us, but it does to an individual patient. Absolutely. And it comes to, to, to mind, would it help with any people with having um, pelvic floor issues or yep. not? Pelvic floor issues. Uh, tell me a little bit more about what you were specifically, like incontinence issues. Yeah, and anything uh -huh. that could be related and could be treated through, you know, with, especially with physical yep. therapies who do that type of treatment, which mm -hmm. is complete, completely different yep. from what uh, massage therapies would do. Right. So that's my I question. I work in conjunction a lot of times actually with, phys with physical therapists who are doing internal work basically to release trigger points, mm -hmm. working on that level. Oftentimes what they're doing is they're also teaching their clients to do Kegel exercises. Mm -hmm. And the way I describe it is Kegels are great. They're strengthening the downstairs neighbor. But if the upstairs tenant is crashing through the roof, yeah. you can Kegel all you want. Mm -hmm. And if the uterus is low and pressing down because you've got ligament issues. The mm. uterus really comes down to ligament structures and mm. ligament issues. Mm. So if it's coming down, you, kegels are good for strengthening what's below, but it's not gonna actually lift up anything that's up above. Mm -hmm. And that's where the massage te technique comes in and that's where learning how to do it yourself, learning the self-care technique. And I think that that's a really important piece, being able to go home, maintain the treatment. The uterus is held in place by ligaments, but also by fascia like everything else. So you can come in and have one treatment. I might be able to move it somewhat, but what I need you to do as the client is to reinforce the treatment by continuing to keep it moving so that that fascia doesn't come back in and try to hold it in place like silly putty, reinforcing mm -hmm. it. And over a course of time, what happens is it changes. Shelly, let me ask you um, if you, if uh, you know, you've probably worked with a number in 20 years. You've worked with a number of uh, things. And this also has to do also with constipation or difficulty um, uh, with bowel movements. The ret retroceal. Mm -hmm. Have you heard of that? Where women have to um, push against their their perineum or actually put their fingers in their vagina in order to make to yep. to have. To go to the bathroom. To be able to, I actually have yeah. to say I've seen that a lot. It's pretty common. Yeah. I sometimes know that. the answer, you know, sometimes the uterine massage helps because what it does, it gets the organ that's pressing down mm -hmm. out of the way. But sometimes it's a surgical answer too. Yeah. I would say whatever you can do, you know, self-care wise to maintain moving stuff out of the way. I can't tell you how many women I've had who basically their routine was first you do the uterine massage. And then you go to the bathroom and then you do the things you've talked about, you know, to mm -hmm. be able to avoid, you know, medical intervention so that they can go to the bathroom. Yeah. What happens is the pelvic is, pelvis is a complex place. Mm -hmm. A lot goes on there emotionally. A lot goes on there physically. A lot of women's issues come, um, you know, they come from all sorts of different things. But what I'd say, you know, from years of working with women through helping them get pregnant, helping them during their pregnancy and postpartum, is that's probably one of the most significant things that creates a real structural change in the way the pelvis works. And in traditional cultures in Mexico, after a woman's had a baby, the goal isn't to get out and go grocery shopping the next day. It's like you're you're honored, ideally, right. if your economic situation is correct or you don't, you're not absolutely have to uh you get to lay you get to stay at home 
The goal is to mom. heat the body, keep the belly warm, don't get cold, wear what's called a faha, traditional belly band. Mm-hmm. It's used to wrap and hold the uterus up, lift the ligaments up so that the uterine ligaments heal. And bond with your baby. Mm-hmm. And lay around mm-hmm. and nurse your baby and connect and be fed by your mm-hmm. you know, mother and grandmother and sisters and be uh, nurtured. Yes. So we got mm. a lot to learn. So well, the yeah. Mayan uterine massage, definitely if it's getting things back in place, relaxing things down there and getting the pelvis right, it must uh, create a better sexual experience. Yep. Overall, mm-hmm. women report they come to me for libido issues, for painful intercourse, fertility issues, mm. postpartum issues. One thing I, I want to throw in about the postpartum is it's really in a traditional culture, what would happen is a woman has a uterine adjustment done literally either right after birth or the day after. And every day, Miss Hortense used to say, she was a midwife, every day for nine days. And then she wears a faha. And that's how you correct problems. And for us, it's not that critical. We have one or two babies. In other cultures where you have 10 or 12 or 13, if you don't do preventative care like this, you end up with a uterine prolapse and you can't carry subsequent pregnancies. So I think that this work has really developed out of a necessity. And people mm-hmm. ask me frequently, how come my doctor doesn't know about this? Mm-hmm. That's my favorite question. Yeah. And I say, well, when was the last time your doctor took a trek, a trek into the jungles of you know Belize or down into the little tiny villages in Mexico? And does he speak Spanish? <laughs> you know, right. because honestly, this is a coming together of a traditional women's technique traditionally held by the parteras, the midwives. And uh, it doesn't. These paths don't cross. What's happening is that we are the path that crosses. We're the bridge. Mm-hmm. So it's been an honor to get to be one of the bridges That's of this work. So how would you recommend people wanting to train for Maya abdominal, abdominal massage? massage? So there are a couple of ways to do it, basically. There's a formal way, and then there's an informal way, and I'll give you both. Uh, and there's you know advantages and disadvantages to both. So the formal way would be to go on to the website, arvigomassage.com, and just take a look at what you do is you're signing up for a series of workshops that train you uh, in my abdominal massage with a woman named Rosita Arvigo, or at this point, Rosita's students. And... Uh, follow that course of training. That's a great thing. It's a good way to learn a technique that you can plug into a Western massage practice and you know meet all the criteria legally to be able to do the work. I think that's good. I think the other thing is, is if you have a more adventurous spirit and you like to really get out and work with the traditional healers or learn, I take groups of students down to Mexico, down to Cuernavaca uh, to learn with a couple of teachers where we learn traditional temascal, which is like a sweat lodge, learning botanical medicine, learning abdominal massage, some traditional Mexican massage techniques, including abdominal massage. My abdominal massage or abdominal massage in general is not a complex technique. Mm -mm. It's got a few carries, a few contraindications of things like you don't do it on a woman who has had an, who is currently has an IUD. You don't do it immediately after birth. Usually you give it a week or two. You don't do it for eight weeks post C-section. You don't do it with anybody who has a history of pelvic cancer or who is active. And again, that doesn't mean a woman who has had cervical dysplasia or irregular pap smears, but you wouldn't do it with somebody who has ovarian cancer. Obviously, you're trying not to move anything out of its contained area. Mm -hmm. So I would say, I mean, if it were me at this point, I'd say do both. Mm-hmm. Go study, uh-huh. take the self-care class with Cindy Aspermonte down see in Denver. See if it's for you. Yeah. Take, yeah, see if you like it. Stay, go do the Arvigo training and then actually get immersed in a cultural experience. 
come to Mexico, study like with the Danielle Poole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. mean, it's where you really learn. It's where you get the spirit of the work. Mm-hmm. And the spirit of the work is, I think, the thing that really carries through. It carries through to the clients. It carries through. It's the healing part. The technique is part of it. Mm-hmm. You got to have both. Yeah, I felt really soft afterwards and sort of uh, dreamy, and uh, but that when I say soft, I meant you know really in touch with my feminine side, mm-hmm. which is a rarity. So I grew up a tomboy, and I've always been that kind of you know, well let's do it, and, you know, think about it later. <laughs> and I really <laughs> New York, <laughs> I, yeah, New York didn't help either. So I, I was just lying there for what seemed like an hour, and the teacher was great because she allowed us that time to just be there and be with that feeling and it was really incredible there was you know all kinds of thoughts and emotions and feelings came up but it wasn't a bad thing it wasn't too cathartic but at the same time it was deeply um moving experience and very i think very much more important the other thing is a lot of americans you know they like don't work on my abdomen don't look at it don't touch it don't you know i don't really want you to look there, touch there, pay any attention to that. So it's uh, difficult enough as massage therapists to get people to allow you to work with their abdomen and then to do something, you know, specific. Um, And this is where I think we win them over, though, because when you say, listen, on your chart here, you say you've been suffering from constipation and that you have um, terrible time around your um, period. We had a woman in the clinic today who was having terrible, uh, she says, oh, my period, my cramps are so bad. And she was working with one of my lovely students in there, and he was—he had worked his way into allowing her to receive abdominal massage for the first time. And it was great to walk in at that point during the massage, and she was talking, but she was so—she said, this feels so great. He's already gotten rid of my cramps, and I'm just—he's going to show me what I can do at home. You see, and like just to um, empower people— so first of all, give us a chance to get into this area and teach you about your stuff. And because it's not just guts, it is, it's just the most, I think that they may look ugly, but they're very intelligent, our abdominal organs, and we need to honor that and what they do for us. So I think is the minute you start teaching your clients what these do and what you can do for yourself, because she was like, well, you know, I already took some Midol today and I, I was on an empty stomach and they really make me feel funny. I don't, you know, oh, come on. I told her also then to finish it with a nice, you know, heat later on and mm-hmm. to take an hour or two off after the massage before going to work. And she could do that today. And I think that's going to, that's going to impact her. Shelly, why don't a lot of people know about this? I think part of what it is, is like I said, it's just not a common, it's not common for the medical model, definitely doesn't cross paths with the traditional healers. There are only so many of us out there that have been doing it. I think that what's happening is when I first started learning this in 1999, I took my first group to Belize in 1999. I was going to go there originally just to learn by myself. And what happened was I had so many students and so many in my herb classes that were like, wow, you're going to Belize. I want to go to Belize. I want to do this. So I took a group in 1999 of 16 women. And then Cindy Aspermonte and I, Cindy, who's now a nurse at Kaiser, nurse practitioner at Kaiser, over the course of 11 years took 10 groups. And then I've since taken two groups to Mexico to study. And it's the same thing. It's like you really got to get out of your element. You got to get into these other countries. You got to be able to learn and and t- go out on a limb, learn something new. And I think that's the big thing. But the, I, it's happening. With all the groups you just mentioned, that's still not a lot of people. 
It's not a lot of people. So, and the good news is, though, that it's been it's grown exponentially. When I first started this, I used to say, oh, yeah, I do Maya abdominal massage or Maya uterine massage. And people would raise their eyebrows and go, what? And now it's like, oh, I know somebody else who does mm-hmm, that, especially mm-hmm. in the massage world. And I get to I just sort of smile, you know, and go, OK, what a blessing it was that I was one of the first ones that got trained by these women and then have had the opportunity to go on and study with other people. The language for me, I have to say, has been the key speaking Spanish. Uh, if you if you want to learn traditional healing techniques, you want to learn directly from people about plants and cultures where the traditions are alive. Mm-hmm. Mexico is a wonderfully alive place with uh, full of traditional medicine. And I have to say, for me, it's my passion. And I knew the minute I started studying this stuff, I thought, if I do not speak this language, I'm not going to be able to talk to Doña Elena about anything, <laughs> let alone plants or healing. And so now mm-hmm. I can. I can go anywhere and I can speak about it and talk about it. And I found that what's happening is a lot of the traditional healers are getting older and people are very giving. They're very willing to share their knowledge. And there isn't the, this is my culture and I'm not going to pass it on. It's like, please share this. Mm-hmm. Teach people uh, what you can because you know there are only so many of us left. Well, your Spanish is really very, very good. So that's another thing. Also, then you can come back to um, Colorado here and practice and also open your doors to the Spanish-speaking, of which we have so many Spanish-speaking people here. I live primarily in a Latino neighborhood. I see a lot of Mexican women and a lot of women, I would say, from really all over. Mostly I see a lot of Mexican women. But I've had clients from from all over. I would say every single week I have somebody who doesn't speak English that's part of my practice. Wow, what a comfort to them. I bet their whole face changes when you start speaking because you speak really fluently from what I can tell. And that's really nice. Um, And I think it brings in a whole thing too. You know, in traditional healing, when you ask somebody for their health history, Mm -hmm. they bring up topics that we're not used to hearing. Things like susto, tristeza. Pesar, you know, they talk about their emotional stuff, their spirit, what, what would be traditionally considered a spiritual illness. So, what was that you just said? I said susto, which is fright, tristeza, which is Sadness, grief, and grief, pesar, yeah. which is grief, worry, you know, yeah, worry, like, yeah. heaviness. Mm-hmm. It's like something that's been carried on long term, long term stress. Chronic. Uh-huh. So, yeah, for wow. the endometriosis sufferers, yes, do you tend to see a common stress in women who experience you mean an emotional tie yeah, to it or emotional tie to it or anything it, it's pretty rare thing. it's too. here's the thing that's pretty amazing in 20 years i've probably treated two or 300 women with pretty, endometriosis mm-hmm. so it's like i can say from my perspective i don't have two or three cases that i've looked at i've had the opportunity mm. to look at enough of them to say some women have had a healthy emotional lives they've had healthy childhoods they have they eat well and they have endometriosis. Mm. Some, the majority of them, in all honesty, there's a it goes back. There's some histories to them, um, some guarding in the pelvis, some holding back, some sometimes sexual abuse histories. It's hard to say. I, I never like to generalize with anyone sure. and say that everybody has <clears throat> something because I've seen a little bit of everything. But I would say anytime uh, reproductive stuff shows up, it's you know we have to ask those questions. You know what's what are some of the possibilities mm-hmm. of what else is going on? Mm-hmm. And, and the client either opens up or doesn't. Right. So, Shelley, the um, the issue came up. We knew it would. Um, sexual abuse in particular, um, I'm thinking, just maybe it's my own experience or whatever, but in the young person who has not, you know, who's having 
uh, was abused earlier than anything should be happening in that, in the vagina or the anus. Uh, you find that, um, or in the male child. I mean, there's a lot of this going on. We don't. There's no. There's no secret in that. But have you worked with younger people? Yeah, it's interesting. Part of my training, and I did this. I don't even know how long ago. This had to have been like 15 years ago. The Colorado School of Healing Arts. I spent a couple of years doing a program called the called Trauma Touch Therapy, and and worked as a basically as an intern with this woman named Chris Smith for years. Chris is great. Yeah. Chris is incredible, mm-hmm. and really learned about what it's like when the body, you know, when women have gone through. I again, my focus was always women, but I did have some male clients at that point. What how the tissues really hold on to things. And I do, I have to say recently, I had an experience of getting to see a 16 year old whose mother brought her in for menstrual cycle problems and pelvic pain. And you know, they came, they were referred to me by their pediatrician uh, and she did have an abuse history and it was fairly complex and it was out on the table. Everybody knew what was going on and we knew that we were gonna be doing this abdominal massage and you know, the lights were on brighter and we were more attentive and the mom was in the room. So, I mean, it's how lucky is this girl that she's getting to look at it and work with it from an earlier age. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is, it's a really big thing. I'm always saddened, you know, in, in a given week, seeing 20 women a week and doing all these intake forms, I would say more than 50% of the women that I see in my practice check that they have had a, some type of sexual abuse history. It's huge. And I don't know if it's that I'm seeing the women that are coming with reproductive problems, so I see a disproportionate number. But I, at this point, I'm, you know, I make the assumption that it's 50-50. Mm. Yeah, well, the universe is sending them your way because the universe knows you're ready to work with them and can help them right. a lot. I truly believe that. And oh, I, if my mother had brought me to you when I was 15 or 16, I'm sure it would have helped me emotionally a great deal. Well, and we had a guest a uh, couple episodes back five or so episodes, Chris Balsley. Yeah. And he does, he works with that uh, technique. The trauma release The trauma te- release technique that yeah. people kind of do themselves. And all of the, it starts with getting tension in the pelvis. Right. And then a shaking happens from the center outwards. Mm-hmm. So, gosh, combine those two, we, we have yeah. some serious happy individuals. <laughs> right. I think one thing, too, that's really good to know is, you know, we're looking at this technique and we're looking at it as massage therapists and how we can help people with their bellies and their pelvis and their cycles and all this stuff. This is never used in a traditional culture as a solo technique. It would always be embedded as part of some type of traditional ceremonial healing. There would be other things added, spiritual baths, copal that's burned. There's always looking at what the faith is, who the prayer can be sent out to, who else can help on the behalf of this person, uh, what else can be done sitting in a temascal or doing what's called a vaginal steam, which is like doing a just a heating of the whole pelvis. Um, and doing herbs. Herbs are a really vital part of this whole thing, helping flesh and cleanse the uterus and endometrial lining. And so for me, I feel really lucky. I got trained, you know, really in this specific massage technique, but I had been an herbalist for years before I ever got interested in this. I went to massage school and I went to massage school primarily because I wanted to be able to touch some of the women that I was working with with herbal medicine that were going through breast cancer therapy. But I really had no intention at all, I have to admit, of becoming a massage therapist and doing body work. And then I was on this trip to Ecuador, um, learning on an ethnobotanical journey, canoe trip for three weeks. 
And I noticed everywhere we went, you know, I had always had all these Mexican women as clients who tell me, oh, I went home to Mexico, I had this traditional massage, oh, my periods got better, they're more red, less pain, da da da. And then it, uh, here we were in these villages in the middle of nowhere down in the Amazon with these indigenous groups studying botanical medicine. And they would do these, these sort of demonstrations on us. And they would always do this abdominal massage. And I asked this Ecuadorian woman named Rocio Alarcón, I said, what, what are they doing? What's going on? This sounds a lot like what, the, what my clients are talking to me about. And she said, yeah, you know what? You should get in touch with a friend of mine who lives in Belize. I'll call her actually, see if we can get you lined up to learn it. And so what happened was it one thing led to the next. And there I was down there studying with Hortense Robinson, Beatrice Waite, and Rosita Arvigo. And it just, you know, started turning into groups with me. It's usually not me alone. I take someone else and then I take 16 other people with me <laughs> or 18 or 20. Um, and it's just been a real blessing, real blessing. And I think that we go, we're going to start to see, hopefully, if I can arrange things to get Danielle Poole out here to teach, who's Maya, who lives in Tulum. That would be another avenue. I'll, tra- I'll get to translate for him. But Tulum is beautiful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. he's got interviewed last year from the National Institute of Health on a project. So, you know, people are paying attention. Yeah. Here's a man who lives in a tiny little house and sleeps in a hammock that all of a sudden is the intensive study of the NIH. Yeah. That's awesome. That's great. And there's no better time than to approach the NIH right now, than right now. I mean, they're really looking for these types of things to be researched. So um, what a prerequisites for people who might be listening are there any prerequisites besides being a massage therapist do you have to be a massage therapist talk about be, that a little bit so if bit. you're going to go through the Arvigo Institute to train which I think is probably the viable method for people who are planning on staying in the country and want to do it that way um, is you do either have to be a massage therapist or you have to be a nurse or an acupuncturist. You have to have some license to touch. Okay. Now, in traditional culture, this is where I have a little bit of an issue. In traditional culture, this would be something that would be passed on from a grandmother to a, a granddaughter. Mm-hmm. And there is no issue of are you licensed to touch and are right. you, you know, oftentimes you're primarily a plant person. You're an herbalist before you become a uterine massage person. And mm-hmm. so what I see in this culture, what we've got is we've got, it's just great, we've got a lot of massage therapists with skill sets in body work, um, working on the uterine massage, but we're missing a link here, which is the, the training in women's health. Training, oftentimes women who are trained in botanical medicine as herbalists would do really well having this uterine massage technique, but because the way it's set up in this country, for this training, you really do have to be a massage therapist or a nurse or a midwife first. And that's fine. I that see. works. Mm-hmm. It may, you know, something else may evolve. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, when you're immersed in the culture, I don't see why, you know, I could, it's very understandable that you wouldn't need a license. I mean, you're getting immersed in that from a, you're learning it as, uh, from a young age and it's in your family and it's in your belief system. So, you know, but the other part of that is a massage therapist, a lot of massage therapists leave massage school and they don't know where the uterus is. Right. So it's like. <laughs> they need training. They need training right. and a little bit more anatomy. Um in that area because it's not a, an area that's covered that much right. in, in all massage schools. Some do cover it. We right. do a lot of visceral massage at Boulder College of Massage Therapy. And I know there are programs that do a little bit more than that. We were doing lifting the kidneys last night in our class, you oh, know, wonderful. but that's an associate program. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, vibrating the adrenal glands. But that's that's another story. That's just but it, here it's considered advanced work for massage therapists, yeah. not uh, within that 500 hour program. How do you suggest people go about becoming a clinical herbalist? 
And that's, uh, that's even more of a tricky question. What's happening <laughs> in these, these days, what's going on? So here we are in Boulder. Because that's a big okay. word. And, um, you know, there's a herb school up here in Boulder run by a man named Paul Bergner. That's a good school. I, it's tricky. What's happening again is a lot of the elders, a lot of the real masters of herbal medicine. My teacher, I studied with a man named Michael Moore, who died two years ago, uh, who was really the master of herbal medicine. I, you know, I'm trained in botanical medicine of the mountains and the desert southwest. So Native American or or just say? native plant, a plant. I wouldn't even say native. native plants, but plants that are bioregional, that are Thank native you. to this yes. bioregion or that grow in this bioregion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's hard to get trained. I teach a lot of classes. I've got some programs that go. I've got a one-year and a two-year herbal medicine program that starts in the fall. I just wrapped up teaching a two-year professional training in herbal medicine for women. It's great. You know, it's like I'm trying to get people to learn, trying to get it going. That's good to point out because, you know, I think a lot of people, too, they think of herbs. You know, we have the Chinese herbs, which there are thousands upon thousands to know about, but they don't grow here. And I think that is uh, should be a new wave, definitely, is paying attention to the herbs we have here. Does that make sense? Yeah, growing things yeah. in your and garden. Growing your things in your garden. Yeah. Knowing so how many, to you can do grow, that. You could grow probably 20, 40% of what you need as an herbalist. You could grow in your Especially garden. Especially here in Colorado. Colorado. Thank you. The herbs love Colorado. Learning to make <laughs> medicines, learning to make tinctures and teas, teas. and salves. Mm-hmm. And, and poultices. Tinctures yeah. I find are challenging I at home. I don't know how, but I teas, you know, are... A lot can happen with a good tea, don't you think? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. A lot can happen. Tinctures are easy. All you do basically is chop up the herbs or tear up the herbs and stuff them in a mason jar and cover them with alcohol, vodka, brandy, something like and that. And they do their mm-hmm. thing. And they sit for a couple of weeks or a couple of months. You strain it off and you've got a tincture. Mm-hmm. So, and which, uh, obviously you probably like, which do you uh, combine them all? Teas, tinctures? Yeah. Um, yeah, so when someone comes Essential to me, oils. Yeah, right. when someone comes to me for like today I was working before I got here, typically a treatment plan for me involves doing the abdominal massage, the body work, doing some form of spiritual healing. I I do a lot of singing. You know, I don't know there's not a class of traditional healer that's a sing that sings and rattles, but that's what I do. I do a lot of that. And then I put together treatment protocols where we've got tinctures, teas, essential oils, books, um, self-care stuff they can do at home, diet, nutrition, you know, really looking at it from all angles, depending on what the goal of the client is. Aren't you, you, oh, go ahead. I was just wondering, in your intake, do you have then um, also some questions about diet? Is it extensive? Do you make women go home and write, you know, what they ate all week and things like that? Sometimes or? I send them with a, where I ask for a five-day diet diary. Yeah. I'll let Dawn answer that. She had to yes. fill out my yeah, intake I know. form. Her intake form is Gosh, the most involved okay. intake form I've yeah. ever come across. And I yeah. think my doctor's is too. everybody, all every healthcare provider out there in the world should ask the same questions that Ellie's, or Shelly is but asking. You have to know what the, what the answers mean. That's you know, you you can get a bunch of information from your client, but if you don't know what it means, you're saying the doctors don't. Even I'm ask telling oh, yeah. everybody. Yeah, any yeah. healthcare provider, even the dentist, should be. I, actually, I found the dentist to ask more uh, more personal, questions. But they and, ask me. They ask you if you're stressed. They always ask, "Are you stressed? Is mm-hmm. everything anything changed?" That's because they yeah. want to sell you a four hundred dollar bite plate. Night, no, no, night no, guard. No, no. But anyway, but I think everybody should. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. but aren't you going to be teaching a round of herbal? There's a bunch of stuff that's starting in the fall. Okay. So what's happening for me is I'm opening a new store called Artemisia and Rue. 
And those are my two of my favorite plants, two plants that are considered supreme protectress plants. Oh, good. Uh, on, <laughs> and the address is 70 Broadway, so it's the corner of First Avenue and Broadway in Denver. I work in a clinic down in Denver now called Massage Specialist, which is also up here in Boulder. Which is where I work as well. Yeah, wow, I and see. I just left. I opened a business 14 years ago called Apothecary Tinctura, which was Denver's main and only herb store when it first opened. And just shifted out of being there and into doing something new, starting something new actually with my sister, Tina. So it's fun. And we're going to be opening sometime in April. And in the fall, I'll start teaching my training programs again. People can, you know, find out how to get in touch with me. Our website's in development. Everything's happening all at once. Right, of course. But the big thing that I want to say is that I am taking a group of people down to Mexico to study traditional healing practices. It's called Healing Traditions of Mexico in January of 2012. Oh, and that's awesome. That's a good year, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, We won't go into that subject. (laughs) So you're opening up a, you're opening up a, a store. Uh huh. It's a botanical medicine store, herbal medicine store that in April. This April. This April, like, that's soon. Right that's away. very Next exciting. Mm-hmm. Oh my so God. We're working Broadway, all the time. In Denver, okay. yeah. It's, it's been a lot of fun. The store looks amazing. And I don't know if anybody is, was in her store before, but everybody I know who's been in that store loves it. They can't wait to go back. And um, if you, if you can find a lot of things. And Shelly is, of course, a great resource for everything um, that we've talked about, especially herbs and the Maya abdominal massage and questions about life questions about business because she's an amazing businesswoman as well and she is also fantastic at building a practice and couldn't answer questions about that so she is a really wonderful resource come find her at massage specialist on 70 broadway and the best way to get a hold of you at this point for it's if anybody email is, and mm-hmm. it's shelly at massagespecialist.com and it's s-h-e-l-l-e-y okay if anybody has any proper questions, spelling, that's right. Otherwise, it won't go through. Okay. And of course, we'll have your information on our website, yeah. which is massagepodcast.com. You can leave us a message on our contact page on our website, and you can also leave a voicemail or a text at 303 656 9860. And please follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Our, our little website is awesome, and any guests that we've had ever, you can go back and listen to our previous podcasts and see their websites, and if you have any questions, there's ways to get a hold of all of our guests. And we would like to ask Shelly to give us a tip of the week to any, or as tip far the week, as... Tip to, of the week, uh, tip, tip of the week, tip of the week. To, woo, to <laughs> massage therapists out there um, in school or already out there. Um, share your wisdom with us, Shelly. I'm going to just tune in for just a moment here, get quiet and just see what comes to me. I think that the my tip of the week would be really to be open to the directions that you're interested in life. Follow the things that your that your heart calls you to. Don't go in the direction that you feel like you're supposed to go, but really go in the direction of your dreams. That's where you're going to find your life's work. That's where things are going to unfold for you. That's where magic's going to happen. Uh, and continue to deepen, if you haven't already, into getting connected to your belief system, your spiritual life, uh, and learn to ask for help from a power greater than yourself. That's, because we need that. That's amazing advice. Work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know. Could Go you ahead. say a little bit more about that same thing in Spanish, please? The. Okay, está bien. Mi consejo es así. Y Jorge puede ayudarme si necesita. Okay. Lo importante aquí es así. 
tú tienes que seguir tu camino en tu vida, en tu corazón y es mejor olvidar tus obligaciones o lo que dijo tus papás sobre tu camino en tu vida y seguir los mensajes de tu corazón, de tu espíritu, de todo y en encuentra tu camino. Uh -huh. tus dioses, tus diosas, las diosas y todo, y disfruta tu vida. Beautiful. Muchas gracias. Muchísimas gracias. <laughs> Muchas gracias, sí. Thanks for the surprise uh -huh. in well, Spanish. Well, your so, Spanish is great. That's great. So for those of you who follow us and listen to us, we will be switching to every two weeks starting March 17th will be our next episode. And at this point, we do not have a guest. But if you follow us on our massagepodcast.com website, we will definitely be letting you know who our guest will be or what our topic will be. Um, anybody have any other things they'd like to add? No. Shelly, anything? No, we thank mm -hmm. you so much. Thank for you so much. That was so To come talk fantastic. to us and educate massage therapists about the wonderful work you're doing and the possibilities of everything out there is uh, more than we can ever imagine. And that's why we need to talk to people like you. Yeah. yeah. Thank Thanks you, Shelly. And thank you for helping so many women and people, but and primarily women in this very needful area. I really appreciate that. Awesome. Yeah. All right. It's been an honor. We'll see you guys March 17th, 2011. Have a great day. <laughs>